You're listening to the AP Biology Podcast, a series of spoken words for biology enthusiasts and students. My name is Aiden Lowe, and I'll be dissecting each topic in the AP curriculum to ensure you have the best possible knowledge to fully comprehend the world of biology. Today, I'll be reviewing the basics of sexual reproduction and meiosis. So, there are two types of cell divisions in general, mitosis and meiosis. And in the human body, somatic cells are the cells constantly going through mitosis to heal and grow. They're the cells that make up your organ systems and everything else in the body. Now, some somatic cells are going to differentiate into germ cells inside the gonads. The male gonads are the testes, the female gonads are the ovaries. In these organs, germ cells turn into gametes, which are sperm in males and eggs in females, through the process of meiosis. Alright, so what's the difference between mitosis and meiosis? Well, first we need to understand briefly the chromosomes inside your cells. If you have your textbook, you can turn to page 306. You can see a karyotype for your 23 chromosome pairs. Each chromosome pair is made up of two homologous chromosomes, one from mom, one from dad. Here's the terminology. Diploid cells, which are noted as 2N, have 23 chromosome pairs, which is 46 chromosomes in total, while haploid cells, represented by 1N, only have 23 chromosomes from each type. Mitosis and meiosis both start from one parent cell. The difference is that mitosis produces two diploid cells and meiosis produces four haploid cells. In humans, the function for a haploid cell is to later join together with another haploid cell from a different sex to produce a diploid zygote. Of course, for other organisms, this might not necessarily hold true. In addition, mitosis produces identical daughter cells. In meiosis, the daughter cells are not genetically similar. On page 309, figure 13.7 shows a simplified overview of meiosis we can take a look at. There are two things here to note. Uh, first, meiosis requires two cell divisions to achieve four haploid cells. And two, homologous chromosomes, or homologs, are separated in meiosis one rather than individual chromosomes in mitosis. Let's turn to page 310 and talk in depth about the important stages of meiosis. Meiosis stages are nearly identical to mitosis. They follow the same sequence of prophase, metaphase, anaphase, telophase, and cytokinesis. However, the differences between the two ultimately leads to genetic variation. This is what the AP will expect you to know. In prophase 1, two homologs are joined together by protein complexes. This fusion is called synapsis. After the complex disassembles, chiasmata are formed. Chiasmata, or chiasma in singular form, are genetic regions where crossovers have occurred. 
So in basketball, doing a crossover means to switch the ball from one hand to the other. In meiosis, instead of the ball, one homologous chromosome switches genes with the other, exchanging genetic information. For example, the genes that determine your mom's eye color might be exchanged with that of your father's. Of course, we won't know which gene will ultimately lead to your zygote. Typically, one homologous pair will form one to three chiasmata. In Mendelian genetics, we will further elaborate on the probability of crossing over for certain regions on the chromosomes. But for now, crossovers are the first factor of genetic variation. Next up is metaphase one, where homologous pairs line up on the metaphase plate instead of individual sister chromatids. As some of you can see on the diagram, it's essentially stacks of four chromatids line up in the middle of the cell. Now, here's the question. Is one side strictly maternal and the other one paternal? The answer is no. This is referred to as the independent assortment of homologous chromosomes. The orientations of homologous chromosomes are random. This means that each pair has a 50% chance of having a paternal or maternal homologue face a given pole, just like a coin toss. This means that, in a human cell, the number of unique sequences based on independent assortment is 2 to the 23rd power. Each of the 23 homologous pairs orient randomly on the metaphase plate. After metaphase, the spindle fibers pull the homologs apart from each other. At this point, the sister chromatids remain attached and move as a unit. Meiosis II functions similarly in relation to mitosis, with individual chromosomes positioned at the metaphase plate. Here, only note that, and I'm reading from the textbook description here, um, because of crossing over in meiosis I, the two sister chromatids of each chromosome are not genetically identical. So in the end, a successful meiosis results in four haploid cells that have half the amount of chromosomes as in a normal somatic cell. Ultimately, due to random fertilization, there is also a 2 to the 23rd power possible combinations from a gamete of the other sex, totaling the zygote genetic combinations to a staggering 2 to the 46th power, or about 70 trillion. Genetic diversity will of course be compounded due to the previously mentioned crossovers and the unavoidable genetic mutations. So, we have four factors in total here. We have the crossing over in prophase 1, we have the independent assortment in metaphase 1, random fertilization during fertilization, and uh, mutations that happen throughout the process. There you have it, meiosis. Similar in first glance to mitosis, but drastically different in its results. But how does genetic variation present itself as traits in different organisms? And how does one predict the prominence of traits for different generations? Find out in the next episode, where we discuss everything you need to know about Mendelian genetics. My name is Aiden, and I'm here to remind you 
that if you're going through a phase, just know that all of your cells are going through it with you. <laughs>